Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. That filled that out? Awesome. All right, we'll get started. Sometimes people like it when I go off script. We'll see how we go. All right. As I said, my name is Andrew. I'm married to the beautiful Rachel. And um, it's really great to be with you here today at Broadie and to be able to enjoy a nicer day after the last couple of days. It was a bit feral there for a second. Um, I love spring, mainly because my birthday's in spring. So um, I don't like the hay fever, though. But for the rest of this month, uh, our sermons are going to have a bit more of a missional flavour. Um, and uh, next week, uh, we're going to have Dave Garland come and talk about Red Frog's ministry and why he's so passionate about that and passionate about evangelism. Um, and as Rachel's already said, we're going to have Liza Cornish from Baptist Mission Australia um, and the Griffiths from Cambodia, who we support as a church. And both of these weeks, we're going to be hearing from people who are living out their passion for mission, living out their passion for evangelism, their passion for justice, and how they live out the call of Jesus for their life. And so we've called these next few weeks, Kingdom Come, um, taken from that, the prayer of Jesus, the one he teaches us to pray in Matthew 6 and in Luke 11, where he says, Father, hallowed is your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today I wanted to talk um, and begin what we're going to be going through the next couple of weeks. I wanted to talk about something that maybe you don't necessarily assign with mission. You don't necessarily sign when you think about people going overseas or people going and doing uni ministry. Um, but I think it's something incredibly important and something I really, really want to share about today. And that is about grace. I want to talk to you about grace. I want to talk to you about grace and about generosity. When you hear of mission, what is it that you think? I mean, I think I've shared before that for me growing up, I can honestly say I did not get it at all. First, it was never just called mission. It was always called missions. Always missions, not mission. It was always about, or it seemed to always be about overseas. In my church growing up, we always took a separate offering the first month of every month um, for, for missions. And, um, and then you would have these weird people come every now and then, dressed normally in clothes from overseas. Um, they would show slides, because I'm that old, or they put it on the overhead projector. Um, and they would teach you maybe a kid's song in another language. So I don't pretend to know Pigeon, but I think This Is The Day, that song we used to sing back in the day, they, it was like Isbella Day or something. Like they would sing it all the time. Um, and I tease a good mate of mine who ended up being best man at my wedding because he was from one of those families coming from Vanuatu and then he moved back. And so I like to tease him about that. But mission is simple. It's incredible. Mission is just, it's the purpose of God. It's his prayer that his kingdom would come on earth like it is in heaven. And yes, it does send people to go to the far reaches of the earth to share his good news, to live out what his kingdom looks like. Um, and it does take big gestures, but it also takes the small. It takes the everyday life thing to be on mission with Jesus. And it begins, I believe... Kingdom come in your life and in my life and in our world 
begins with grace and generosity. It begins in the everyday life things. Every time we show grace, every time we live in grace, every time we live in the generosity of God, every time we display the generosity of God, it's radical. It's God reflecting. It's actually life-changing. It has a huge impact no matter how small. It's like a mustard seed. And so today we're going to look at Luke 19, 1 to 9. And in this part of the gospel, the author um, is sharing about Jesus' journey towards Jerusalem. So Jesus, in this story, he's on the way to the cross. And in fact, in the middle of the last chapter, in verse 31, in chapter 18, we read that Jesus tells his disciples that he's going there, that he is going up to Jerusalem, and that everything that is written about the prophets and about the Son of Man will be fulfilled, meaning his arrest, his death, and resurrection. This is a one-way journey for Jesus. It's at the end of his earthly ministry, which is important, I think, because as we read this part of this chapter, Jesus isn't walking into Jericho anonymous. He's carrying with him a reputation. He has followers coming from him, not just his disciples, but others who would like what he's seen, wondering what he's going to do next, coming with him. He's got this hype about him as he enters into this space and what he's about to do. And I can say this because we see it in the story that immediately comes before this, the one where he's outside the gates of Jericho, where Jesus encounters and heals a blind man. This man who cries out, son of David, this particular title for Messiah. He cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus carried a reputation with him. People knew about him to the point where a blind man could tell something was going on, could tell and knew that this Jesus person he had heard about was near. He put his hope and his faith. We see it in the woman that pressed through the crowd, just thinking, I can just touch the hem of his garment. This is the kind of thing that Jesus carried as he went. They had their hopes in who he might just be. And so this is where we pick up the story from Luke 19. It says, When Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Could you imagine being the person that's always been remembered for being short? Awesome. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. That shows how wealthy he was. Jesus said to him today, Salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is an incredible story. Jesus' reputation, as I've said, is likely almost fever pitch here. We read about the crowds and poor Zacchaeus has to climb a tree just to see him. 
And if you've been around church for a while, you might know this story. You might know about how the tax collectors were seen in Jesus' day. That they had this label which, of sinner. Something they also gave to people who did some other incredibly bad things. They carried around the label of sinner. Seen as scum. As collaborators of Rome, their oppression. Seen as unclean. Can you imagine being seen every day as unclean and unloyal to God's chosen people. They were a part of an oppressive system that everyone was living under under Rome. The opposite of the promise of God. They were known as dishonest. And they, everyone knew the wealth that they carried with them, the clothes that they wore on their back, all the things that they carried was from cheating the vulnerable. And so for Jesus, a popular rabbi, and maybe some thought he was a prophet, maybe some thought he was a messiah, to invite himself into Zacchaeus' home is almost unbelievable. To honour Zacchaeus by being willing to receive his hospitality, to eat his food, the food of the unclean, to be around his friends, it's actually pretty extraordinary. But what I want to propose to you is as good as what that is, that it alone probably isn't enough for the -the over-the-top response, not over-the-top, the the beautiful response, and the repentance that we see from Zacchaeus. Have you ever thought about it? Jesus was coming and people weren't 100% sure about who he was, but they knew he was a rabbi, they knew he was special, but for Zacchaeus to have him come into his home, yeah, that's great, but for for him to go, you know what, I'm going to give half of my stuff away, and with the remaining bit, I'm going to give back four times the amount to anyone I've cheated, This is a huge response. It's a life-changing response. Being willing to pay back this amount that you've cheated and with only half the possessions that you have left. He says this publicly. And the Gospels are really clear, and I love that about the Gospels. The Gospels are really clear is that not everybody responded to Jesus in that way. In fact, Scripture tells us that Jesus was nothing to look at. He's not like he came with this massive band behind him and he had his way and just like everyone was just like, man, you are like the Fonz every time you walk into a town. He didn't have that kind of vibe. Sorry to people who don't know who the Fonz is. Happy days. Man, that was a part of my childhood. Anyway... It wasn't like Jesus kind of carried this vibe that everyone was just like, woo, here we go, like some cool kid at school. Not everyone responded to Jesus in the way that Zacchaeus did. In fact, we see this in Mark 10, the rich young ruler with all of his good works, this person that has seemed to have built his life on such great things, really the opposite of Zacchaeus. He's like the anti-Zacchaeus. He had wealth, but he was also following Yahweh in everything he could possibly do. We see the opposite response in this man who wouldn't give his possessions away when Jesus said, give them away and you can come and follow me. This incredible invitation to come and potentially be one of Jesus' disciples, this man wouldn't give, this man who seemed to have the most righteous of life didn't do the same response that Zacchaeus did. And in fact, we read in Mark 10, it kind of finishes um, this point where then Jesus talks about the eye of the needle because when, the, when his disciples see this person responding with, no, I can't do that, their first response is, well then, who can be saved? Very different to the response of Jesus saying, today salvation has come into Zacchaeus. And in fact, Jesus wasn't even offering, we read in Luke, doesn't say it here, that 
Zacchaeus would get to follow him. I mean, Jesus was on a one-way mission to, to Jerusalem. So what is really happening here for Jesus to call him, Zacchaeus, saved? I think it's really clear from how Zacchaeus addresses Jesus and then how Jesus describes it because Zacchaeus does something different, very different to what the rich young ruler calls Jesus. The rich young ruler says, good teacher. Good teacher. I know that you are a good rabbi. That's not what Zacchaeus calls him. Zacchaeus calls him one one word that we can just skip straight over. He calls him Lord. He calls him master, some of the translations have. It's very different to good teacher. Because I want to propose to you that there is something that Zacchaeus could see about Jesus that not everyone else did. That in the grace of Jesus, he was experiencing the grace of God. That in the generosity of Jesus, he was experiencing the generosity of God. That when Jesus saw him up in that tree, God saw him. When Jesus stepped into his life and humanized him and didn't reject him, that somehow, and I'm not saying that Zacchaeus had a perfect theology in all of this, but somehow God was doing the same. And I can say this because of Jesus' response. It's a pretty big thing for Jesus to say, today salvation has come into this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. God's kingdom come always leads to salvation. Salvation from sin, from our old lives, from death, from oppression, from rejection, from the death spiral of self-service. It gives us a new way to live. This entered into Zacchaeus' life. In the same way, really, that God's kingdom entered into the world and entered into our individual lives. I hope it entered into your, into your life by the coming of Jesus himself. The grace of God who sent his son, who gave him in radical generosity because he loves the world and giving us salvation through belief in him. This is what we see in Zacchaeus by his response, belief in who Jesus was, belief that something is different, that God has seen him. The grace and generosity of God changed the world. It saved us. It saves us. Kingdom come is always first the grace and generosity of God. And there is no better picture of this than what we see in Jesus. In Jesus entering in our life by God giving us and continually filling us with the Holy Spirit. The grace of God for us. Who by the Holy Spirit transforms us daily into a new creation in Him. What is called a foretaste of the kingdom to come. Because Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and that includes every single one of us. And Zacchaeus' response is because he experienced, he experienced a taste of the kingdom of God in the grace and the generosity of Jesus. Jesus, by entering into his house, by noticing him publicly, seeing him there, gave him belonging. 
and by coming into his home and by publicly declaring something really important that Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham. He does belong to God's people. He is a part of God's promise. This is something that Zacchaeus would have lost on every level of his old life when he walked through the town with all his wealth but carried the weight of the label sinner. In his death and resurrection and life, this is what Jesus is saying about all humanity, that God became fully human, that that he died for our sin, that he rose for our victory, that he poured out his spirit is the biggest statement of belonging that we could ever, ever receive. It's the biggest statement of love that we could ever know, that there ever could be. And this is what God has done for us. And it says in Revelation 3 that he knocks on the door of our heart. He comes to us, waiting for us to receive him. God's kingdom come is first the grace and generosity of God poured out for us. And second, kingdom come is being willing to truly receive this for ourselves. Are you willing to accept God's grace and generosity for your life? Are you willing to accept his forgiveness for all the things that you know about yourself? Are you willing to receive his gift of new life? Are you willing to receive a new belonging to him? Are you willing to show yourself the grace that God has shown you? I realized a while ago that when I was going through a hard time, when I get something wrong, I started calling myself an idiot. Self-chat, oh, you idiot. I don't know if anyone else does that here. Don't put up your hand, you don't have to. (laughs) Calling me one, yeah. This self-talk, this self-talk of judgment that we can say over ourselves and again and again and again. That means that when we come before the throne of God, we don't see a throne of grace. We see a throne of exclusion. It's the biggest deception we could ever believe in. Maybe it's holding on to perceived failures. Maybe God can't do this in my life. I believe it for you, but maybe he can't do this in, in my life. We wouldn't necessarily think it out loud, but we think it in the way that we pray. We think it in the way that we think about the future. We hold on to these perceived failures as if they haven't already been forgiven and washed by the blood of Jesus. For if we truly see the grace and generosity of God for what it is, it will always require a response from us. And that is to live in his forgiveness, to live in his new life for us and to show his grace and generosity to ourselves, to each other as the people of God and to the world around us. In Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul describes it in this way. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. See that? Hearts and minds. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. That stuff died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And then from verse 11, here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, 
tax collector or Pharisee, I'm adding that in there, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Maybe today you need to forgive yourself as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as, one mem- since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. This is kingdom come. God's people in Jesus, experiencing the grace of generosity of God, and expressing the same flavor of that grace and generosity into our world, into our own lives, into the people around us, into the people of the church. We are to be be people of justice, but I think we're also to be people beyond justice because that's where that grace and generosity sits because grace is generously getting what we don't deserve. Grace goes beyond justice. For Paul, this looks like forgiveness and bearing with one another and compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. We are called by Jesus to to be people who love our enemies, who offer the other cheek, who walk the extra mile, who are willing to lend without being repaid. Huge list there. If you don't believe me, just check out the radical nature of what Jesus teaches in his Sermon on the Mount, the one that we began with this morning in Matthew 5 to 7. And this is what we see in this moment with Zacchaeus too. He was willing to give back four times the amount that he had cheated because of the grace of God. That's beyond justice. Repentance meant laying down for him all that he had treasured before and have a new treasure in being part of God's family. We are people who know the grace and generosity of God. And we are called to be people of peace, people of the grace and the generosity too. To be a people who have a posture of grace, who have a posture of generosity towards each other, to our world, to our own selves. And so we need to ask ourselves, how do we respond to the people around us? How do we respond to the big issues of the day? Because grace and generosity means being open-hearted, It means being open-minded. It means being considerate. It means not being reactive. It means being loving and not angry. Being willing to give without being worried about what we might lose. Yes, we hold on to gospel truth, but we are willing to listen and to understand and to show the love of God and to humanize people. This is an incredible challenge especially with hard people, especially with big issues, hard issues. It's a radical difference that goes beyond justice and it looks and tastes and smells like the kingdom of God. And there is a lot going on in our world at the moment, on social media and in places and families and neighbourhoods. I have it going on in my own family. And the question I need to ask myself and the question that we need to ask ourselves is, am I, are we being compassionate? Are we being willing to listen? Are we being open to learning? 
Are we willing to be people of peace? That radical difference in the world. Or are we just desiring to be right? Are we just desiring to just get justice in that kind of repay kind of way? Are we just the ones who want to be defensive and hold on to things that we don't even necessarily have prayed about that are necessary to the kingdom of God? Which of these ways is most like Jesus as he reached out to Zacchaeus that day? At the risk of stepping into a political space, I think for me right now to bring it right home is the way that in my world, the different voices I have are the people that are expressing their opinions on the voice. And I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about what your opinion on the voice should be. In fact, I'm deliberately not because I don't think that's what grace and generosity necessarily looks like for me in this moment right now. But what I've been disappointed by in the people in my life And I haven't been disappointed in them, but as I've listened, I've felt just a grieving. The way that people aren't listening to each other. The way that when something like this comes up, the first thing we can do is step into our immediate self-reaction because we naturally sit on this side or we naturally sit on that side instead of actually being willing to listen and to be generous and to be people of grace. People who go, I hear what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I hear your heart. Tell me more. I think naturally you see a lot of people going, nah, that's not right because of this. Or nah, that's not right because of that. You must feel like this. You must be that because your position of politics or your position on this is that. And so my challenge to you as a pastor of this church with this particular issue and with all issues is to first think, what's my posture? Am I willing to be open-minded and generous? Am I willing to listen because God's got this? Because I stand in the grace of God? I'm not saying you should land on either side. I'm definitely not saying that. But what I am saying is, are you willing to have a generous heart towards those who have different opinions? to listen to their opinion, to know their opinion well, to love them by listening. Because people of kingdom come are always people with a posture of grace. And people of kingdom come are always a people of action, of radical sacrificial generosity that goes beyond justice, that goes beyond what seems to be deserved. On that day in Jericho, Jesus sacrificed his reputation He sacrificed his religious privilege that people continually wanted to throw on him. And he sacrificed his time, which was probably quite short, to go into the home of the tax collector and have a meal with him. He crossed barriers. And we see he continues to cross barriers, and that's what the cross is, because there is no greater sacrifice, no greater love than him laying down our life for us at the cross. Paul writes this as a reflection in Romans 5, verse 8. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love what it says in verse 10. It doesn't use the word sinners. It takes it to another level. It says the word enemies. We're living in the opposite of what God wants for us. And he still laid down his life at the cross. What barriers is he calling you to cross? 
Was he calling us together as Broadview to cross, to show his kingdom and to tell of his good news? For Zacchaeus, his response looked like joyfully giving, the generous giving for the benefit of others, to invest all of himself in response to what Jesus has done for him. I think his example says to us that the genuine human response to grace when it's completely received, it's always tangible. It's always sacrificial. It's not apathetic. It's not just a thought bubble or something that we can kind of think about for a little while. It is something that changes who we are as we let it in. And it leads us through tangible action to sacrificial action. And so as you listen to the Spirit today, and that's what we're here to do today, not just to listen to me, to listen to the Spirit. As you listen to the Spirit today, how are you with your time? How are you with your resources? How are you with your finance? Is your posture towards those things, and this is as much of a challenge to me as it is to anyone, is my posture towards those things defensive? Is it closed? Or is it open to what God might want to do in and through us? Does your life invest the small seeds of the kingdom? You may not be the person that goes to Cambodia or to the ends of the earth, but you might be the person that wherever you go, you lay seeds of the kingdom in relationships, in giving, in serving others, in elevating other people. How is God calling you to acts of generosity? I've already mentioned this, but finally, one of the incredible things about the grace and generosity of God is how he has poured out his spirit upon the world and how he wants us to be continually filled by his spirit in our lives to do good works, to live out a life of difference, to live as, new cre- as a new creation. So how open are you to his good work in and through you. He never leaves us to display his kingdom alone, but he has given us his spirit to be empowered to live out the kingdom. The grace and generosity of God keeps going and going and going and going. And so to finish, are you willing to receive the grace and generosity of God? Do you acknowledge God's love for you? Do you acknowledge that he's saved you? that he has given his spirit to you, will you receive his spirit? How is your posture? How is your posture towards yourself? How is your posture towards others? How is your posture towards issues? And what action of grace and generosity are you being called to? What action do you need to take into the key areas of your life? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, that we don't stand alone when we want to explore living out lives of grace and generosity. In fact, your continual act of grace and generosity far exceeds ours. Lord, it is a joy to reflect who you are. To rejoy, it's a joy to reflect your character. Help us to do that well. 
Thank you, Lord, that your grace and generosity means that as we reflect maybe on even our attitude or different things this week, that, Lord, we're able to lay them at you, at your, at your feet. They don't become a burden for us when we can give them to you. And that you're able to breathe new life into us. That those things, as we give them to you, are washed by the blood of Jesus. It's white as snow. And that, Lord, that we get the ability, through your grace and generosity, to be empowered to live lives of repentance, going the other direction from what we might want to do in our own human selves. That we don't, just, we don't do that out of our own effort, but you join us there. In fact, you go before us, making things possible for us, and you empower us by your Holy Spirit to do that. And that the Holy Spirit in our lives produces fruit in us, which enables us to do it even more and even more and even more and even more. How great is your faithfulness, God. And so, Lord, as we continue to explore this month what it is to reflect you and to live you out and to follow your call in our lives, we thank you first that we are people of grace and generosity. And Lord, as I think about that and I imagine what that looks like for us here at Broadview, and as I imagine what it looks like for every person in this neighbourhood that we interact with, Lord, I see so much beauty in what you're able to do in that. I see how radical that can be for our friends and our family and our neighbours and the city. Lord God, as we live out your grace and generosity with the good news that this grace and generosity isn't built on nothing, it is built on the love of God, the love of God that is for all people, the love of God that calls all people to himself, the love of God that meant that there is a new hope and a new future and a new purpose, that we're not just doing this to be nice people, we're doing it because we have hope in the grace of God that meant that we get to enjoy the now and we get to enjoy the new creation that's coming. The sin days are in their final days and so lord we thank you for your grace and generosity in jesus name amen